Welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. The place for pets and the people who love them. Here, kitty, kitty, kitty. Here are your hosts, practicing veterinarians, Dr. Roger Welton and Dr. Karen Lewis. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Veterinary Advice, Animal News and Views. This is one of your hosts, Dr. Karen Lewis. I'm a practicing veterinarian in the St. Louis, Missouri area, actually the Illinois side, but we won't delve into that. And my fabulous co-host is Dr. Roger Welton, who's snickering at me right now. (laughs) And today we are going to talk about, we're going to expand on a blog article I wrote um, called, Does Your Indoor-Only Cat can your indoor-only cat skip all vaccines? Because I have a lot of people who say, hey, my cat never goes outside. Do I really need these shots? So Dr. Roger and I were having a really good talk about that before we started, and I think we've got a lot to share. So um, Dr. Roger, why don't we start with what, what you recommend for your cats, and then we can kind of expand on that. Well, I, I, I of course, opine that I, I really believe that, to me, the vaccines are important. And obviously, they're, we have to say by law, I don't know what it is in Illinois slash Missouri, by state law, they have to have the rabies, right? They have to have all, all 50 states, actually. I, is I it all 50 states? Yep. Okay. You never know. There's always <laughs> that one that you never know. But the, So by law, we have to stipulate as veterinarians, you have to have rabies prophylaxis. But there's also the notion that cats do escape. I have three that do escape occasionally. They get outside. I have two little children that let them out. Right now I have uh, – are you familiar with the birdcage or uh, a.k.a. lanai that we have – the the structure we have here in Florida? No. Never heard of that? No. Okay. Is that like the Florida thing where you brag about your nice weather again? Oh, no. Yeah, oh, no. I'm okay. not trying to go there. But, you know, <laughs> if you have an, an inferiority complex, I get it. But, but okay, so we have a pool in the back and – the the weather here is so organic and there's so much organic stuff and so many bugs and lizards and frogs and all kinds of nasty stuff that you don't want a pool open to the environment. So what they do is construct these big birdcage-like structures around your pool and your porch. And they're like 20 feet in the air and they're all screened in. And it's called – you could call it a lanai or a birdcage. So anyway, right now, currently my lanai has two screens that are blown out which my cats, conceivably, if one of my kids let them out there, we're going to get them fixed, but it doesn't happen as quickly as we'd like it to here in Florida because the screens decay, and it's not easy to get somebody in here to fix them, and I sure as heck can't do it. So if one of my cats jumps out, you know, you never know. They come across an opossum. They come across a uh, an animal that does carry, um, you know, some of these viruses. Feral cats are huge here in Florida. I don't Is that a problem? With you guys as well? It depends on the neighborhood, but there's yeah. a lot of neighborhoods where they say, yeah, and people feed them, and I can't blame them, and it sure. grows. <laughs> yeah, so feral cats are abundant here, so they could come across a feral cat, and there you go, species, species, you know, uh, cross infection. So I opine that, yes, you should do the bare minimum as far as state law is concerned and as far as the AHA, American Animal Hospital Association, recommend, but I would not be doing feline leukemia. You know that yeah. to I would go through the kitten series just so there's some immunity on board in the life of the cat in case they escape, 
but realistically, an indoor cat is not at risk for a retroviral disease. Can you expand on that a little bit? Yeah, and actually, that's exactly what the AAFP recommends. And what the AAFP is, like, who are they and why do we care? It's a group <laughs> called the, um, it's the American Association of Feline Practitioners. And they're kind of the gods of cat medicine, if you will. They're the ones who really study cat medicine. They put they publish a lot of really good studies and they come up with really good recommendations. And you would think, okay, if all these veterinarians, you know, veterinarians are all about making money and to push a lot of shots. So this AAFP is going to recommend giving your cat all these shots, right? And actually, no, it's funny. There's actually one shot that they say never, ever to give, which I don't know what vaccine manufacturer makes that one, but ouch. So, but, um, so they actually recommend exactly what Dr. Roger was saying about, yeah, do the leukemia series on a kitten because let's face it, a kitten, we're still kind of getting to know their personality. Are they going to be going to be the cat who, you know, tears open the screen and runs out every chance they get? Or are they going to be the cat who, you know, hides under the couch every time the doorbell rings? We don't know that yet. But um, when your cat is an adult and they're never going outside, obviously, yeah, we say no need for leukemia. A lot of veterinarians these days are saying that, as is the AAFP. Reason being because you get leukemia through very intimate contact fly through the air it's not in the water two cats have to groom each other lick each other share saliva pretty much make out so <laughs> you know it's not a uh, cat contact kind of thing so um you know if there's a stray cat you see at your window your indoor cat is not going to get leukemia but um the other shot that is recommended by aafp for all cats is the FERCP. And that is the feline, feline distemper, we call it. And I'll let Dr. Roger talk about what FERCP stands for and actually what it protects against. So do you use the one with chlamydia or without chlamydia? A chlamydia was not recommended for right. all cats. So I, 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 I <laughs> do I told, not. Right. So I'm, I'm with you and I'm with them. So, Appreciate but, but, but there's, there's people doing that. I don't, don't do that. You know, um, so we're talking about panleukopenia virus. Right, it's a parvovirus. Actually, why do we call it feline distemper? I don't know. It's so stupid because the, the, the disease they call distemper is actually like feline parvo. Yeah, call it parvo. feline parvo. Yeah, no, and it's I, actually I think it sounds scarier if you call it feline parvo. You know, parvo strikes the fear in the heart of me much more than distemper does. Totally. And actually, I had a client uh, not too long ago actually asked me if I was going to give that distemperment vaccine because I got my cat's one ornery son of a bitch. <laughs> Yes, I love that. Yeah. I was, what make my cat temperament? Nice? <laughs> if we come up with that, we'd be millionaires. You realize, but yes. <laughs> so, so yeah, part of a virus. It, it basically destroys your GI. It also suppresses your bone marrow. Uh, so, your bone marrow is what makes your red and white blood cells. And of course, if that is defunct, then it's a double whammo. You have a horrible infection in your gut and you can't mount an immune response to fight it because your white blood cells aren't being made because your bone marrow is suppressed. And also you become horribly anemic. And when I say you, I'm describing you as a cat. Uh, I believe there is there is human parvovirus, isn't there? I honestly don't know. I don't know I'll either. There's got to be, right? What. Maybe in some third world country, like in the water somewhere, but yeah. I've never really heard about it. It sounds... I don't know. If there's a vaccine for it in people and cats, you'd think they'd have a vaccine for people if there were. I would think so. But, I would. But think I got to so. say, but speaking of the vaccine, that, that reminds me, a, a client told, that actually was a veterinarian who told me back in the 70s when parvovirus first in dogs was coming out, it was like this horrible mystery disease and dogs were dying right and left and no one, and he like was like getting emotional telling me this story. And then he was like, and then they came out with a vaccine 
Yeah. And dogs stopped dying. I mean, it was amazing. So, I yeah. mean, th- these vaccines actually save lives. Oh, they do. Like, and um, <laughs> I think it was 1982. I may be off, folks. I'm, I'm sure you're going to Google it. But I think it was 1982 Parvo <laughs> vaccine came out. And distemper in dogs used to take out full, like, whole towns and cities of dogs. You know, yeah. like, distemper. God, I've seen two cases in my whole career, you know. But we're talking about cats. Let's get back to cats. Yeah, sorry. So, panleukopenia virus, uh, rhinotracheitis. So, <clears throat> that is a herpes virus, right? And as we know, what it, as Eddie Murphy quite – do you like Eddie Murphy? I think he's hilarious. Oh, oh yes. As he very eloquently put it, herpes – is like luggage. <laughs> Once you get it, you can't get rid of it. <laughs> you keep you keep it forever like luggage. So um, it's true in every form, right? So did you have chicken pox as a kid? Oh, yeah. And yeah. I tell people that when you get shingles later, it, that's, it's the same thing. Because when you say herpes, people think their cat's like morally challenged. And it's like, right. no, it's not that kind of herpes. Right. Think chicken pox herpes. Right. <laughs> it's a lot morally That's why, that's why I always go to chicken pox yes. right? or, or canker sores. That's herpes too, right? Yeah. But no, I, I, exactly. You hear herpes, but uh, in cats, it's upper respiratory, it's uh, trachea, it's conjunctiva, the the eyes. Uh, sometimes it causes ulcers of the corneas, nasal stuff. Can be particularly nasty. Have you seen some cases that are like horrific? I see about one a year that are really bad. Um, how about your? How was your experience with that? Yeah, I see. Um, it's usually these poor little tiny kittens that people find. And their eyes are matted shut, and their nose is boogered shut, and they're this, this upper respiratory. It's it's a kitty cat head cold from hell is what I tell people. And I've had cats that when they're that tiny, their immune system can't handle it. They can't yeah. breathe. They can't eat. So yeah, it it sucks. Um, yeah. So you definitely don't want to be having your cat go through getting that sick. And if they if they're older cats that have a naive immune system to it, and and most cats have been exposed to it you know, in their lives, either through a vaccine or through exposure from wherever they came from. But you, you get those naive immune system cats. I had one actually six months ago that got so congested. He had a fever of 105, male cat. Actually, I had to put a feeding tube in because he got fatty liver syndrome because he, he was so congested he wouldn't eat. So it's it's not anything to take lightly. You know, it, it's it's a head cold from hell, like you said. It's, yeah. it's, it, it's something that, you know, cats are so tough. You know, they might be sneezing and have runny eyes. But if it was us, we'd probably be in bed, not moving, and eating chicken soup and swallowing ibuprofen like it's going out of style. Um, and and complaining the whole time, yes. What's that? <laughs> and complaining the whole time, yes. And complaining, especially if you're a guy. <laughs> yes. You know, us, us men don't like to be sick, as you well know. <laughs> uh, so, and then thirdly, Khaleesi virus. Why don't you expand on Khaleesi virus? I've been talking a lot. Oh, oh, yeah. So Khaleesi, it's kind of funny. So Khaleesi's been around for a while. It's um, a virus that also causes the, you know, kitty cat head cold kind of thing. But I'm not sure in the year. I want to say maybe it was two, oh, 2010, give or take a couple of years. Uh, a new Khaleesi virus came out. And it was, if you went to a veterinary conference, they were filling lecture halls about the new Khaleesi virus and how to not have to shut down your clinic for two weeks. Do you remember that? Yes. And, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and like standing room, let me tell you, if you want to fill a room full of veterinarians, tell them that there's a new virus coming out and it's going to kill their patients, and they are in there. Okay. It was like standing room only. It was 100 degrees in this room, and we, we sweated it out. So anyway, and it was this 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 um, land practitioner telling us there's this new Khaleesi virus that causes just really, really bad ulcers on their tongue and their throat, and it's always fatal. And we were like, whoa, and it's super contagious. You know, if you get this in your hospital, shut it down, and, you know, obviously it's not that bad. 
Right. But right. it is bad. I, I've actually worked at animal shelters where we've had Khaleesi go through, and it's it's snow picnic, and a lot of cats die from it. So, but so the Khaleesi virus and the vaccine often protects against that new one. Now, back in, in the day when this first came out, there was a big race to see who could make the first vaccine for it, you know, because we're all going to save lives. And now it's pretty much in everyone. And now we realize that actually that big, bad, scary Khaleesi virus isn't really that. You know, it's not sweeping the nation. It's not the next cat zombie apocalypse. So <laughs> we all kind of slipped <laughs> yeah. down from that now. But yeah, but it was scary for a while. So, but yeah, Khaleesi is just another, you know, kitty cat head cold thing that you don't want your cat to get. Sure. So, now, what about the gingival form of it? The the chronic gingival form? Have you ever seen that? I haven't personally seen it, thank God. Yeah. No. Well, you know, the thing about that, it's hard to prove, right? So you get a cat with, you know, ulcer- ulcerated gums. And, you know, uh, stomatitis cases, we call yeah. it uh, lymphocytic plasmacytic stomatitis. So basically the immune system is attacking the gums of the cat. And honestly, some of these cases, you treat them with steroids and antibiotics, but some of them you have to actually pull all their teeth. I don't know if you ever had to do that. Oh, actually, yeah, I, one of my own technicians, her her personal cat yeah. just had all of its teeth pulled out. And it's awful. Again, we can't prove it's Khaleesi. You know, we, right. we don't know if it's autoimmune or what. But right. I, I see quite a few of these cats where, like you said, their immune system just attacks their teeth. The teeth are the enemy. And it's it's a brutal life. But, I mean, thank God another cat has no teeth. He actually is doing really good. But Oh, yeah, they it, do great. It's, yeah. it's amazing. They don't miss their teeth. And the gums heal up. So, like, so, something about the enamel is playing a role there. But it's so ambiguous. Cats are like, they're such mysterious diagnostic medicine creatures i just find they're they don't follow the rules they don't read the textbook so to speak right physiologically no. well and in vet school it's it sucks that you don't learn as much about cats as you do dogs right. i mean let's face it we go learn about dogs 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 and there's the asterisk right. and then by the way cats do this in small print at the bottom so <laughs> right. and then and then in fourth year of vet school they yell at you because they're like cats are not small dogs well, right. for the first three years, you kind of told us they were. How very, very, very appropriate. Oh, my God. Is that true? I mean, what was your, your cadaver your first year? Wasn't it a dog? Yep. And there was one cat that the whole class that the whole class of cats yep. share. You know what? Yes. That's amazing. Every vet school is the same. You've you got this intimate relationship with your dog cadaver you know every freckle on this dog and then there's we one named cat. it he was skippy yes there you go. <laughs> one cat though that the whole class shares yes in your spare time yes so precisely so i mean so very appropriate statement um so yeah as far as the that, that's concerned the the link with khaleesi and the gums and there's also a link to that weird bacteria uh bartonella felis uh, mm-hmm. you know which which may be a secondary opportunistic because of Khaleesi. It's so it's so convoluted, and it's hard to prove. Like you it's said, it's hard to prove. Yeah. So, but but let's uh, let's just say it may be another good reason to vaccinate for Khaleesi. Yes. Would you agree? Yeah, I believe it at that definitely. Yeah. But um, but a lot of people say okay. So I've got my cat who seriously gets off the couch to eat and use socks, and then he goes back to his. You know, they're like this cat never has interest in going outside. If I beg him to go outside, he won't do I really need to vaccinate this cat? And I'm like, you know what? If your cat is in a closed, what I call a closed system, and what that is is there's no other cats going in or out, 
if you're thinking about getting a kitten, yes, vaccinate your cat. Okay, because that's that's not a closed system anymore. If you are one of those really cool people who volunteers at a shelter and works with cats, then I high-five you through the computer, and I say you need to vaccinate your cat because you can bring home diseases on your clothes. Um, or if you just have stray cats that you spend time with feeding. Again, you're an awesome person, but those cats carry diseases, and your clothes absolutely positively can not leukemia, but the other respiratory infections, they can carry it in. However, if you have no cats in your life at all, if you're a one-cat person, or you know, if you have three cats and they all stay inside, it doesn't need to be just one cat, then I have owners who say, you know what, I don't want to do the December vaccine. And I say, you know what, that's cool with me. You know, um, I would much rather do an annual physical exam and blood work and other things like that than I would give it some stupid shot that doesn't need. Now, rabies, different story. You know, and not not because your indoor-only cat is going to get rabies, because he's not. It's just because you need the stupid paper trail, because all it takes is some jerk to come over trying to sell you something. He says your cat bites him. Your cat never even saw him. And if your cat's not current on rabies, your life just got way unfun. So every, all 50 states now recognize a three-year rabies vaccine. It used to be a couple of them only recognized the one year, and they were kind of in the boondocks, and they laughed at them. Now they're all at the three-year. And so I say, just do it every three years. Keep your cat legal. Save yourself the headache. And, and it's not just somebody visiting your house. They may need to go to the veterinarian because they have a urinary tract infection, let's say. Mm-hmm. Well, how often do you get bit by a cat? I have excellent technicians. I haven't been, but been bit by a cat in probably seven years. How about scratched? Oh, oh dude, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I have had a couple of those. <laughs> All right. so, so a bite or a scratch, at least in the state of Florida, is considered penetration. And by law, I have to report that to animal control. And if animal control determines that stated cat that created tissue puncture, (laughs) either by nail or by teeth, that cat has to be quarantined for 10 days uh, at the owner's expense. And the owner gets fined $150 for not having their rabies prophylaxis on board. So it's a pain in the butt and it's expensive. Um... I just as soon avoid it, you know, like you said, every three years, who cares? Yeah, it's you not know, a bad deal. Yeah, no, totally. But so so let's talk about you, you, you really segued into something really cool there, which is I want to get my hands on your cat once a year, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, for me, you know, I, I, I'm not a big vaccine guy. You know, I'm actually more trying to minimize the number of vaccines that I'm going to give your dog or cat because I want to make them lifestyle specific and do what's necessary, but I don't want to overdo it. It is a stress on the immune system. It's something that we should only do when we need to. I think you agree with me on that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because we were just talking before how I was telling my husband, I'm a horrible businesswoman because I'm talking to people out of vaccines, you know, because people we've been trained and it's been beaten into pet owners go in for your shots every year. Shot, shot, shot. That's what it's all about. And I'm like, no, I care more about looking at your cat's mouth, weighing it. Has it lost a half of a pound? You know, how does his skin look? How does teeth look? You know, that's much more important than some stupid shot that your indoor cat probably doesn't even need. So Absolutely. And honestly, Dr. Roger, you said every year, I think even for senior cats, even twice a year, Agreed. to be really honest with you. I yeah. agree. That's, it's, it's not an easy selling point. But, you know, you and I were kind of debating before we started the show. It's one year of a cat's life is depending on the life stage, right? Because mm-hmm. those juvenile cats age way faster than a human would. But let's say on average, one year of a cat's life is like five-ish years of our life-ish. Mm-hmm. 
right? Give or take. G- give or take, yeah, because, I mean, yeah. if you think about the 10-year-old cat, it's probably equal to about a 50-year-old person, right. you know, for easy math. So, Well, I will tell you that in veterinary school, or well, between graduating undergraduate and going to veterinary school, and then the aftermath of that, getting my first job and all that, it was about a five-year period. I didn't go to the dentist. Five years. Neither did I. It's okay. Okay. A lot of us didn't go to the dentist during that time. We couldn't afford to. Couldn't afford to. Didn't think about it, right? Didn't have halitosis. Nobody was saying, man, you stink. Or at least they weren't telling me. I go to the dentist. Good Lord. It cost me a lot of money. And all this stuff is going on. They had to like numb my whole mouth because they needed to do like deep root scrapings and all this stuff and horrible. Never do okay. that again. You needed to floss, dude. But anyway, we'll go on. <laughs> I did floss. That's the thing, you know. I, apparently, I drank too much coffee. Uh, whatever the case. Effect, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, so five years of my life went by. Nobody looked at my teeth and look at the aftermath, right? So periodontal disease, horrible, 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 horrible problem in veterinary medicine. And it's so undervalued in uh, among pet owners and that's one thing we want to look at teeth but one of the things i brought up before we started the show today was poop now you you brought up not as much as an issue where you are but indoor cats so let me just before i get into this i just want to tell you about i so devalue vaccines in terms of like a revenue stream for me and what i'm really focused on are they important yes i agree with you dr karen very important for the things that they're really at risk for. Am I going to stress over a shot that a cat probably doesn't need? No, I'm not going to stress over that. So I actually give them to you for free. Talk about a bad business plan. Yeah. I give them to you for free. All I'm going to ask you to do if you're a feline owner, you're going to pay for an examination and you're going to pay for a stool analysis. If you do those two things, whatever your cats do for is free. So it actually costs me more money right, from, my, from mm-hmm. a business standpoint to give you more vaccines than to give your cat less. So I'm not going to be pushing things your cat doesn't need, but obviously I'm trying to prove that that's monetary is not my motivation. It's good medicine, but my main thing is it's a well visit. Like you said, examine, check weight, check teeth, look in the ears. Cats are so stoic. They're way tougher than dogs. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes. And they can hide. I swear you can have a cat who's, I mean, their legs hanging on by a thread and they're sitting looking at you like, what? And it's just like, <laughs> don't touch it, please. But what? Yeah, it's, they hide pain. It's amazing. Incredible. I look at some like some of the uh, the feline odontoclastic resorptive lesions, the, the the aka foral lesions. What makes cats a little bit unique from people is that they they get you know we get tartar, you scrape it off, you get some gingivitis, maybe you get some root disease if you let it go too long. But cats actually activate a cell called an odontoclast. That starts to degradate the neck of the tooth, and it's actually horrifically painful. Have you ever? You know, obviously oh, oh, yeah, this, and yeah. and I mean, and those. Imagine your tooth being basically eaten away, and and you, you can usually tell by looking because the tooth will have a little bit of a dent in it. But if you confirm it, ho oh, oh, ho, touch that tooth, oh. because the cat will be like, uh, uh-uh. uh, yeah. And it only takes one touch. You're not, you're not, into, you're not being kinky here, trying to torture your cat, but. That way we can say, okay, you know, we're going to definitely do a dental on your cat and we need to fix this because I am surprised your cat's even eating. But, well, if they don't eat, they'll die because everybody says, oh, but he's eating. What do you mean? Well, what choice does he have? Right. You know. What choice does he have? But also, they're so much tougher because have you ever had a toothache? Thankfully, no. No? Actually, I know. I've, I've had a couple. 
and oh I hear it's God. awful. <laughs> awful makes i mean just you feel it in your ear and you're behind your eye you know like, oh, God. My, my brother who's he's 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 much bigger big tough guy much bigger than me apparently a toothache and he's really cheap by the way he doesn't like spend much money a toothache drove him to spend two thousand dollars to get an emergency dentist to just get this tooth out of his mouth oh my God. he was so miserable you know, he could have waited till Monday and spent $800, but he's like, I can't take it anymore. I'm going to die. Oh, wow. Right? <laughs> to have his molar extracted, he just had to get it out of his mouth. And it was less painful after he had it actually pulled than before the pulling, you know? So oh, yeah. it, can't be, it can't be overstated how bad a tooth can hurt. So that's one thing we want to look at, but... You know, like you said, you look at the whole patient. How often do you see a cat, right? And, wow, your cat has dropped five pounds in the last year. Yeah, and they always say, but he's eating really well. Uh-huh. I'm like, hmm. So, so, what, what, so what does your radar tell you when that happens? <laughs> yeah, so um, that's when I burst into my um, hyperthyroid song and dance um, <laughs> where I explain it's showy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> basically I explain to people that, you know, cats have – as they age, some cats can develop an overactive thyroid, which I kind of joke is the disease of my dreams because they can eat everything they want and still lose weight. <laughs> so, but in your cat, it's not a good thing. It's associated with, with them, you know, blood clots, heart disease, you know, kidney disease. It's not something cool. The nice thing about it is it's really easy to diagnose. Uh-huh. You do a blood test. Like there's so many diseases that are so hard to diagnose where we do blood tests and x-rays and MRIs and they all come back normal and we're still sitting there going, err. No, thyroid disease in old cats, super easy. You do blood work, the thyroid comes by. You treat it. It's easily treatable. So it's one of my favorite diseases in old cats because people are like, oh, I love it. Down. And I'm like, no, fluffy is treatable. Then the yeah. husband's always like, dang. And the wife's, oh, and the wife's thrilled. The cat looks skeletal, right? They've lost all their lean muscle around their face. They look like this they look awful, awful yeah. creature, yet they're, they're stealing pancakes from breakfast off their, <laughs> off their, off their owner's plates. And suddenly you treat them and the face fills out. The coat looks great. And they're like, I have my cat back. This is amazing. And he's no longer stealing my pancakes. This is really cool. But uh, differing from, you know, a little bit your experience in Illinois is the stool sample here in Florida is really important. I would say probably not just Florida. I'm guessing, uh, you know, southeast where any warm place, probably where things don't die, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> Things don't freeze and die, right? Um, so I diagnose positives all the time. Indoor cats and people, I mean, before I was giving away vaccines to get people to do a stool analysis with an indoor cat, they just wanted the shots. They just wanted to be legal. There's a lot of condominiums here in Florida. Mm-hmm. So their condo associations actually make them provide the paperwork that they've had the shots. So, you know, that's a nice way to get compliance. But could not get these people to do a stool sample or a stool analysis, you know, for the life of me, could not get them to do it. Well, now that they're getting free vaccines, it actually works out way cheaper if you give me your stool, or I'm sorry, your cat stool, to <laughs> analyze it than to pay for the vaccines. <laughs> it's way cheaper. They give me their cat stool. And I find positives all the freaking time. All the time. I just had one today. Want to know what so- it was? Um, I'm going to guess Giardia. It was. Wow. Huh. How about that? 
This was not planned, by the way. So. It, no, it wasn't actually, <laughs> not even remotely. Uh, so tell us about Giardia. So Giardia, well, see, I had the odds in my favor when I guess because it's probably the most common parasite we see in indoor only cats. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I work the odds here. But uh, Giardia, we see a lot. Now, full disclosure, depending on who you read, 10 to 20% of cats normally have Giardia living in their intestines. So some of these cats, you do a fecal. The cat's not having diarrhea, they're not skinny, they're doing fine. You know, depending on the, the stage of the Giardia that we see, we're like, meh, okay, this is, apparently your cat is, this is his friend. He can keep his friend. But in um, a lot of other cats, actually, Giardia can cause symptoms. What it is, is when you say intestinal parasite, a lot of people think worms, which is true. That's a lot of them. But Giardia is actually a little microscopic, like amoeba kind of little cell that has a little tail on it, and it, um, it can cause disease in people, too usually when like the water treatment plant fails or something like that. <laughs> but um, it causes diarrhea in cats when it's pathogenic and not their friend, I should say. So it's definitely nothing to sneeze at. And it's definitely something that you would want to try treating again, depending on the stage of the Giardia that you see in the fecal sample. And if it's the stage that's infective, it actually could even infect other people in the house, other cats, the dog, the kid. So, Whoever cleans out the litter box could be at risk, too. So it's definitely something you want to know, and the only way you'll know is doing a fecal sample. That's a, I mean, that you summed it up very nicely. And in this particular cat, I asked him, is there any stool problems? Because it wasn't a Giardia, you know, where you actually see the cysts. Mm-hmm. It was a an antigen positive. So if it's antigen positive, I go with, like, you know what? It might be just part of the flora of the intestine, like you had noted. But this particular cat had stool, the consistency of soft serve ice cream. Ooh, that's never good. Would you say that's normal? No. Right? It's probably a good idea to treat. Probably the cause for the soft serve ice cream. Stool. Can't wait to go out for ice cream, I'm sure, after this, right? <laughs> we just ruined that for you. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially the chocolate variety. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but the thing is, and the thing about cat poop is, hello, you're cleaning the litter box. So most people are kind of aware of what the cat poop looks like. To right. Ex- you know? Right. So, um... Some people, and you're cleaning and you're interacting with it, and so you're kind of at risk there, too, if you don't wash your hands real well after cleaning sure. it or something. So, um, especially when it's real soupy, like you were saying, like the soft serve ice cream, you know, come on, we've all kind of done this scrape off the edge of the side with the scooper, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah what happens, they, every now and then, they, you know, their gut isn't right, and it happens, but in this cat's case, you know, perhaps, perhaps, I don't know, maybe, maybe the Giardia was opportunistic, we don't know. But yeah. it's worth treating to find out, right, for the health of the kitty cat. And then, of course, there's this weird parasite here in Florida. And I'm sure they see this in, like, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, other places where these little geckos run all over the place. Um, they do come in the house. And my cats go out on that lanai that I was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get in the lanai and they hunt the lizards sometimes. And they can get this parasite called spirometra, which is a big, ugly all right, can you see my fingers here? I'm mm. trying to get in the screen that you can see. <laughs> uh, not working, but yeah. it's about 12 inches long. It's ugly as heck, and it's not going to kill your cat, but over time, it causes ill thrift. Would you what is ill on- thrift, exactly? Okay. <laughs> ill thrift is kind of, kind of a victor. Basically, what it means is it's a cat who just looks like he's homeless, for lack of a better <laughs> You know, like their coat's all greasy and nasty, and yeah. they're all skinny and... You know, you're like, dude, you look rough. Right. So, uh, 
kind of, kind of like the hyperthyroid cats I was talking about earlier. Right. right. That, that's described as a non-thrifty hair coat. Sure. So, um, but yeah, but ill thrift, that's what ill thrift is. And, and that, which was what spirometry obviously causes. So, uh, that's why I left it to you to describe because, <laughs> you know, cause, cause my, uh, you know, I, I just have that, that sort of straightforward brain where I'm like ill thrift. And people are probably like, okay, what the hell is that? And I'm like, you be nasty. <laughs> That's why I wanted you to expand on the point. I'm like, tell us about ill thrift. <laughs> You're always going to give me a really nice analogy. I love it. <laughs> Very good. So, so I mean, I saw one of the reasons that I focus so much on the stool and the examination is I actually saw a lecture at the North American Veterinary Conference. It was called The Power of Poop. It was the name of the lecture. Uh, did, uh, did that fill the room like the uh, Khaleesi virus lecture did? It filled it pretty well, yeah. Interesting. Luckily, okay. Luckily, I got there early. Not on purpose. <laughs> I just happened to be like, wow, that looks interesting. Oh, you were there first, first in row. You know how you are. <laughs> well, it, just, it, it was by luck. Didn't plan it, but it was one of the best lectures I ever sat through because they sat there and went through these statistics. I'm like, holy cow. You know what? I got to do more poop. You know, <laughs> got to look at more poop. Um, let's see any of the weird things in cat's poop? Uh... Well, actually, you know, what I think would be worth mentioning too, is there's mm-hmm. a couple different ways to test poop. There's the old way, which was fecal flotation. And mm. I know you, you, we started with vaccines and now we delved into poop. It's all part of the whole annual visit thing, but, um, <laughs> fecal flotation, it, it's the older version where basically you have a solution that is a very specific osmolality. And basically that means the the little molecules in the solution are big enough to kind of push the eggs up to the surface. But long story short, they realized that there was a better way to actually test the poop. And so most vet clinics nowadays are doing the new way, which is called fecal centrifugation. It's a lot more labor intensive. You actually put the poop in a centrifuge, the very special solution, spin it down to separate all the different layers. And then you read and look for microscopic eggs. But they found that these are, again, depending on who you read, 30 to 60% more, sensitive in terms of picking up things that were being missed on the flotation. So if you want to become a true poop enthusiast, you can even ask your vet, hey, which one are you doing, flotation or centrifugation? And if they say centrifugation, high five them because that's the that's the best, most current way to do it. And honestly, no, most vets even send it to the lab because we just don't have time to be centrifuging poop after poop after poop all day. Um, at least I don't. So the labs do a fantastic job of doing it. Yeah. Um, and they pick up on all the stuff in this report, and it's good. So I use a lab. Do you use a lab, Dr. Roger? Absolutely. You know, okay. and, and it's not just because we don't have freaking time for it, because, you know, I, I didn't tell you much about my week, but, you know, yesterday I removed a squeaky toy from a pit bull's intestine. Squeaky, it was like a perfectly shaped duck just stuck right in his jejunum. It's beautiful. Oh, it's always so fun. Poor boy was really <laughs> sick, but he's, he's fine. He's going home tomorrow. But but bottom line is that there's so much going on. The last thing I need my certified veterinary technicians to be doing is centrifuging poop, right? So I just sent them <laughs> off. The other yes. thing, too, is my technicians are doing dentistry, scrubbing and surgery, doing all these things, and they're not experts in poop. I, I, you know, and, and they may get mad at me for saying this because they are very, very good. But there's technicians at, like, Antec, let's say. That's a mm-hmm. big reference lab. All they do... 24-7 is read duty slides. <laughs> but I will say, that when, they, when, this, um, when the centrifugation first came, became popular and Antec started doing a lot of these, yeah. there was a debate. No one wanted to be called, you know, what do you call yourselves? 
the poop technologist. So no, the um, <laughs> the official term, I think, because it, it is kind of we downplay, it, but they are called um, it's parasite something, parasite technologist or something, which does sound a lot more classy and a lot more interesting. Because I gotta say, I mean, any weird obscure parasite, like some days I've gotten some reports from Antech where I'm like. What is that parasite? Oh crap! I have to go look it up now because I haven't seen it in ten years. You know, yeah. and they can boom, they can spot on do it. So they're very, very good at what they do. Yeah, no, it, 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 that's a really good point. It's like kudos to these people; they're experts in the field of find detecting parasites in the stool. I mean, yeah, they work in poop all day, but hey, it, it's a very important diagnostic purpose. So yes. it helps us do what we do, which is make them better. You know. That's the yep. goal in the end, isn't it? Yep. And not to make money in the process, which is why you give away your vaccines. So, yep. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yes. Well, as it turns out that, you know, and not I don't want to give up my secrets to other veterinarians, but as it turns out, poop is more profitable than vaccines. <laughs> um, yeah. When you actually, when you're actually doing the AHA guidelines um, and you're doing them with the reformed way, not giving the distemper every year, you know, do you, do you ever hear the term shot wagon? No, I haven't. Okay, so the, we have them here in Florida. We call them shot wagons. They actually pull up to gas stations or they pull up to like the local pharmacy. I'm not going to say names because I don't want to get sued, but even like big chain pharmacies, like it's it's really sad that they hire these people. But they show up, they open their little canopy in the back, and they just do shots all day. They don't even examine the patient. Oh, it's like those low-cost vaccine clinics where it's just boom, yeah. poke, poke, poke. Poke, yeah. poke, 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 poke. And they, they will vaccinate for everything, and they will vaccinate for everything every year. All the time, no matter what. They don't even ask the lifestyle. Nothing. Plug, 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 plug. So, so you know, obviously that's not what we want to do as good veterinarians. Um, we want to do good medicine. So when you, when you factor in the patients that may not be getting all of these vaccines, and if you're doing them like the FVRCP every three years, it's actually more profitable to give away the vaccines and do a stool and an exam, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. And it's better medicine, you know, and I had a great mentor say to me once, good medicine can be profitable and you can profit from good medicine and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause there's so many vets that are afraid to like, Oh, I have to do shots every year. Otherwise I don't know how I'll stay in business. I'm like, I've been in business for four years now talking to people out of shots. Right. <laughs> We're fine. Right. You know, um, so yeah, and it's and it's hard too. And I think I think the older generations who I mean, when you've been told the same thing for thirty years yep. of get your pet vaccinated every year, every year, every year, it's it's hard. Anything's hard to change, sure. you know. And so a lot of the older vets are very resistant to it, and a lot of the older clients, it's it kind of rocks their world when I tell them, "Hey, we can do this every three years." And here's a secret: it's usually the same shot. <laughs> They put a different label on the three-year one and charge me more. Seriously. (laughs) Isn't that – that is such an insightful comment and so true. So absolutely true. And by the way, we talk about the old vets. Um, We're not there yet. Uh, I don't know exactly how old you are. I'm 41 years old. I'm pushing 40 hard and I'm a little bothered by that. Well, so so we're we're 40-ish people. You're not there yet. I don't want to prematurely age you. But it's funny because we talk about the old vets and like I'm maybe like – a decade away from being considered one of those guys. And then there's going to be, you know, somebody like your age or my age saying, 
those old guys. And the important thing is when we say old vets, I want to stipulate that if you're an old vet, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're stuck in your ways. No, it's the old vets who haven't stayed modern. Because I have a lot. One of my, my very good friend graduated from vet school in 1984. She would be an old vet. Right. But she's actually one of the most modern vets I know. Yeah, I graduated fifth grade that year. Yeah, I know. (laughs) No, I graduated fifth grade in 1985. Yeah. So anyway, go ahead. So, so yeah, so she's, it's, but it's a lot of the, um, the old vets who chose not to stay current and, mm-hmm. you know, and that's fine. That's their choice. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that it's, again, they've been doing something for 30 years too. old habits die hard. And it was funny because there's a couple things that I haven't had a vet school long enough now that some of the stuff I learned in vet school, they're now saying is being disproven. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, I learned that in vet school. So I'm like, Oh no, this is how I become an old vet. Right. See, because I'm like, no, no, that's not true. Yeah. So I, I'm actually feeling what it's like. But yeah, so I mean, no, it's just, um, I, I should say it's an old mentality of vaccinating every year. Yeah. Because every study has shown that you don't really need to when there's three-year shots available, if there's a three-year shot available. Very, very good point. And great article, by the way. But this this was um, inspired by Dr. Karen's article at her blog, vetchick.com. If anybody has not read it, I would absolutely recommend reading Dr. Karen's blog. It's a lot of fun. It's great information. And I really enjoy having you as my co-host. It's a great talk tonight. Yeah, thanks. I had a good time. Oh, I also wanted to say real quick, I added a second blog article to the first one. I have the one that says, you know, can your indoor cat skip all vaccines? And I have another one about what vaccines does your cat really need? And I kind of go vaccine by vaccine. Um, So you can kind of shop through them and kind of understand what each one is and why they're probably not injured, you know, and, um, and I, it's not just, you know, crazy Dr. Karen, I'm going by the AAFP guidelines. So it's not like I just concocted this, <laughs> but if you want more detail, it's on there too. I'm sure it's fun, entertaining reading and also great information since, especially cause you're not an old vet yet. So, <laughs> yes. So, so that's a good thing. So thank you very much. Uh, f- once again, for another great show. Uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about next time. You'll have so, to decide. It'll be fun. Yeah. Hey, so so. Maybe we can just do you know emails people send into us. Maybe we can get some fun suggestions there too. That's a heck of an idea. So anybody listening, send us emails, give us suggestions on a show topic, and then Dr. Karen and I could brainstorm on what sounds the most fun. What do you think? Yeah. I think we make everything fun. We do. We, we made cat <laughs> vaccines fun. I Come mean, on. you we can't get more drive than that. Come At on. Least, wait, wait. Maybe it's just fun for us because we're nerds. <laughs> But hey, who can laugh about cat poop? Come on, life's good. There you go. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening. (laughs) All right. Good night, everybody. Talk to you next time. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.